0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another experimental episode of Coffee with Tamara, the podcast. So what I'm doing, if you haven't listened to the last weeks yet, is I am streaming the episodes live. In fact, this is how I'm recording them. So right now it's going live on YouTube, Facebook, our private community there, and LinkedIn. I'm really excited about this, and I'm excited to keep trying it this way because it allows me to engage with you and and answer questions and hear comments and build that community that I love so much, that community of everyday innovators that are looking to think differently and break free from the mold. And, you know, this podcast is really all about that. And like I said, it's a little bit of an experiment. So bear with me a little bit as I clunk (laughs) my way through it. Um, and figure out how it goes. But I'm excited for today. I'm excited for you. Hello, I see you all joining on the different platforms. Good to see you. And if it's really successful, and I really love it, and I hope I do, and more importantly, I hope you do, then my plan is to uh, do it on a consistent basis and not just when I sit down from my computer and have a little bit of makeup on like I do now. All right, let's dig into this week's episode, because this actually, a little bit like last week where I talked about the mirror effect, this actually came from a real experience that just happened to me and kind of expanded into something bigger. So my son, who's 15, is about to go on his sophomore retreat. In fact, he left today. It's this whole overnight thing. And he was saying to me, well, actually, let me back up. I said to him, hey, what are you doing on the retreat? Do you know? Are you going to like do a ropes course? Are you guys going to have a circle? Like, what are you doing? And he looked at me deadpan and he said, Ima, it's Hebrew for mom. He said, Ima, don't anticipate, participate. And I looked at him and said, did you just make that up? And he said, no, that's what the teachers have been saying to us all week because we keep asking questions like what are we doing where are we going what's the main activity what do we need to like all the stuff they have a packing list and they know they're going overnight but that's it and that was i guess the teacher's way of getting them to stop asking so many questions and i thought it was absolutely brilliant don't anticipate participate think about that for a second How many times, how many minutes or hours or even days do we spend anticipating in a state of worry, of stress, of thinking about what's to come when we have no idea what's to come? How many of us spend, and I know I am super, super guilty of this, how many of us us spend a lot of our mental energy thinking about the possibilities, oftentimes negative or worst case scenario. Now don't get me wrong, what I'm not talking about here is doing some planning for alternative scenarios, doing some prepping. I'm all for that. I I really am. I think we got to be prepared. But I'm talking about that anticipation that, that gets us nowhere, that puts us into that state of worry and stress and spinning. How we spend so much time that, don't we? It's so, oh my gosh, it's such a waste of time. So I wanted to figure this out. I was like, okay, tomorrow, what happens? Why is it that this state of anticipation is so bad? Like, why does it never go well? And why is participation kind of being present and in the moment so much better? So I did some research. Check this out. Let me pull up my notes. This is what I found out. And I think as I go through this, you'll probably nod your head a little bit and go, oh yeah, 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 that totally, that's totally me. All right, so first of all, when we're in that state of anticipation, that worry, that stress of you know, what could possibly happen, which by the way, let's be real, most of the time never comes to fruition. But when we're constantly in that state of anticipation of a worry, first of all, the amygdala, which is the emotion center in our brain, gets really riled up, especially fear. So that amygdala and that fear becomes more active. And there's actually some interesting side effects of that as well. So like when we're in the state of fear, right, everything goes badly. Everything's the worst case scenario. Everything's what could possibly go wrong. We never even think about what could possibly go right. So fear, the amygdala, right, gets dialed up. We we release more stress hormones. We elevate our stress hormones like cortisol. You know you felt that, right? You get the, the. at least for me, it's like the butterflies in the stomach. I start to get antsy, but I feel it. I feel the cortisol. And we all know that cortisol actually has multiple bad effects on the body and and it actually degrades us physically, mentally. So it's meant for like short bursts, but when it's constant, like when we put ourselves into a state of anticipation, right, that cortisol goes up. Here's my big one. Are you ready for it? We overthink. We'll get into that state. So, that overthinking, by the way, which is like, here's the deal with it. I don't know about you guys. Tell me if this is you for those of you watching. It's definitely for me. My brain, and I think the human brain in general, I know I'm very guilty of this. When we don't know what's to come and we start getting to that state of anticipation, we actually fill in the gaps with the imagination. Now, The imagination can do us a lot of good. It can be the source of unbelievable innovation, but it can also be the source of unbelievable bullshit as well, can't it? So we overthink it. And by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, because the brain takes energy to function. When we overthink and when we're stressed out and when we're in that state of fear, it actually fatigues us mentally and physically. In fact, I have to tell you, just the other day, I was in this state of anticipation. And I was worrying and worrying and worrying about something. And I swear to God, by, I don't know, 12 in the afternoon, I was so exhausted that I laid down and took an hour and a half nap, which I never do. Sometimes I will close my eyes for like 20 minutes and do power naps. I'm a big fan of the power nap. But oh, man, I was so exhausted because I spent the entire morning worrying and worrying and worrying about something, by the way that never even came close to being true, of course. So that overthinking creates total exhaustion. It impairs our rational thinking, our decision-making, our creative problem solving. So basically that ridiculous state of anticipation makes us feel so out of control and makes us in such a state of stress that what it really does is it's making us dumb and sick. So I made a vow, uh, I'm going off on tangent here a little bit. I made a vow the other, I don't know, a couple months ago, not to, to overthink the future, not to sit in a state of anticipation so much that it was exhausting me and worrying me. And every time I start to do that, I just talk to my primal brain and I'm like, not today, Bernard, we are not going there because it was making me dumb and sick, right? My decision-making was impaired. My creative problem-solving was hindered. And I gotta do a lot of that in the work that I do. Um, I wasn't feeling good. I was feeling that energized. I was feeling actually exhausted. So like I said, I'm not talking about being smart and planning and, and prepping for the future. I'm talking about you know where we start to ruminate over the shit that hasn't even happened in a way that doesn't serve us in any way whatsoever. It's very hard to be a strong everyday innovator and actually make an impact when all we're doing is worrying about things that never come true. There's this great quote that I'm probably going to botch up, but it's sometimes the effect of 85% of what I worry about never comes true. Please tell me I'm not the only one in that situation. It's human nature, but we don't want to be in that, right? As the teachers told my son, don't anticipate, participate. So what is participation? Well, to me, that's being present. It's being in the moment. It's dealing with what you've got right in front of you, the real of it, by the way. It's about being mindful, about being focused, about kind of putting your energy, your time, your mental attention into the here and now. So here's what I think happens when we're more in the state of participation. So this one is a big one for me. First of all, I think it gives us a sense of control because we're doing and we're dealing with what's right in front of us. But also, I think that control leads to confidence. Now, I'm not talking about being reactive. We can still be proactive and be in a state of participation. I'm just talking about being really present and in the moment. So let me give you a couple examples in my life that I think uh, really highlight this. So first of all, I'm on a journey to get back into being super fit. And I've got some weight I want to lose and some muscle I want to gain and some skills and some achievements and CrossFit I'm going for. And I'm really a second time beginner because I've been through the journey once before. And then for a myriad of reasons, I got out of that journey and now I'm back in it. But here's the thing. If I sit here and worry about is my diet working is it not working like in the future i'm never going to get there um gotta get up at 4 a.m every morning or almost every morning to go to the gym and i'm not getting anywhere like if i start to think about oh my god in three months i have to wear this dress because i'm going to this wedding and i'm you know, like where i am today is not where i want to be okay i can't like i'm not yet achieving the things that i want to achieve in the gym and then doing my toes to bar and you get the point right like i'm in a state of anticipation but if I am in a state of participation and I think about what's right in front of me, like, all right, here's what I can control. I can control getting up in the morning and going to the gym. I can control eating really well so that I have the fuel and the energy to perform my best at the gym. I have the ability to make decisions when I eat, what I do need and what I don't need. I have the ability to take walks and get outside and do some meditation. All the other things that are really healthy for me. And so when I focus on those things, and I'm in the moment, right? I still got my goals, I'm still working towards some achievements, but when I focus on those, I feel in control. And when I feel in control, I feel confident. And when I feel confident, I get momentum, and I get traction, and I start to achieve those goals. So I think being in a state of participation, being present in the moment, that's actually how we get to our goals long-term not being in a state of anticipation where we're always thinking about the goals so i don't know where i heard this and i know i've heard this over and over again probably from the Echo, probably from um the huberman podcast like i'm sure i've heard it all over the place but they say that people that focus on their goals don't reach up the people that focus on the actions reach their goals so i think that's anticipation and participation too so back to my notes oh there was one other story i was going to share actually this is actually totally true too. So sometimes I share things on my podcast I'm a little surprised by. So oh, I'm, I just got a comment in saying, um, thank you. I'm glad you do, somebody has to. Oh, well, you're welcome. Look, we're, we're all just humans doing our best. So, so I spend a lot of time on stages. I do a lot of keynote speaking and, and uh, virtual and live. And I used to, no joke, be so paranoid before I got on stage that I was going to suck so bad that people would walk out of the room. Like I would sit there and start to worry about what do I do if I'm live and people start leaving the room? What do I do if I'm virtual and I start to see the attendance numbers like drastically go down? Like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I would worry and worry and worry about that. Now, I've never had that happen. In fact, I've only had the opposite experience. I work really hard to be present in the moment when I get on that stage. But before I got on that stage, I would be in this horrible state of anticipation, panicked and panicked about all the things that could go wrong. That by the way, never went wrong. So ridiculous. And I finally stopped doing that. And I finally stopped thinking about, like, how do I bring my best? How do I say what needs to be said? How do I give this audience, like, all the value and the the takeaways they can possibly get out of me for the next hour, hour and a half, however long I was with them? But, man, I used to waste so much energy worried that people were going to get up and leave. How ridiculous is that? Ridiculous, right? Not only did it never happen, but also why would I focus my energy on that when I could be focused on the success side of it? So stupid. All right. So going back, um, being in a state of participation activates our creative problem solving, our rational thinking, our decision making. It makes us stronger everyday innovators. It also releases a feel good neurotransmitters. So it makes us happier. You know, you. I know you've been there. We've all been there when we're kind of in that state of flow or in the moment, whether that's with friends and loved ones, or that's work, whatever it is, when we're really being present and mindful and in participation of what's happening around us, we're happier. We get more satisfaction, more joy out of what we're doing. And why wouldn't we want more of that? Okay, if you're watching live, yes, my glasses keep falling down my face. I'm not sure. <laughs> <sighs> So here's one that I thought was super interesting that really stuck with me. Being in a state of participation increases our memory versus in anticipation, which decreases obviously our memory. Clearly it's two sides, right, of the coin. So this got me, this brought up the funniest memory for me. So I have a colleague, we'll call her Helen. And Helen is never present. And so every time you talk to her and you can feel it, you can feel it in her energy. You can feel it in the lack of questions she asks you back or just the lack of the, you know, the conversation, you know, it, you know, when someone's like that. And Helen, every time I talked to her, I just got the sense that she wasn't present. And then every time I talked to her again, it's like anything I said before, she, she didn't remember any of it. Like I'm shocked she even remembered my name. And how many times have we all done that, where we're in a conversation with someone and we're not really paying attention to what they say, and then we walk away and we have no idea what it is they said or what they were talking about, right? Because our brain was distracted in some way or another, right? We were in a state of anticipation. So let me go back to Helen. So Helen used to drive me nuts because every time I talked to her, she was in a state of anticipation. She was thinking about what was coming. She was thinking about who was walking into the room. She was thinking about what she had to do next instead of being present. And so her memory for what I said always was at the minimal level. She never remembered anything I said. And it used to drive me nuts because then I'd see her again. And it was like that conversation never happened. I had to tell her everything all over again. Used to drive me crazy. So when we're in a state of anticipation, worried, stressed out, distracted, thinking about what's to come, our memory goes down. Have you ever noticed that, right? You're in a conversation with someone and you're present and you're mindful. You remember their name. You remember details about them. Oh my gosh, it makes a huge difference. I work really hard, particularly when I meet or I'm engaging with someone, not just for the first time, but really anytime to really be present and mindful because if I'm not, I have no idea what they said to me. So there's nothing worse than that too. I think that's really frustrating, by the way, for other people when they come back to you and you don't remember anything they said. And frankly, I think they know it in the moment too. So it's like a, it's a lose-lose for everybody. So Helen, I'm sorry, but I hope you find a way to be more pregnant because it makes me not want to talk to you. So don't be in a state of anticipation. Be in a state of participation where the energy goes up, the focus goes up, the joy, the satisfaction goes up. And I think that's what these teachers and administrators were trying to tell these, this, you know, gaggle of sophomore kids of like, don't spend your time worrying about what may or may not happen just you have the gear that you need they gave us a packing list just be present and be in the moment and enjoy the experience and I think that's the lesson for all of us is stop worrying about what may or may not happen and start being present and in the moment and enjoying the experience so this it says LinkedIn user, so I don't have your name, I'm sorry, but they say two things, emotional intelligence and the power of now. Yeah, so let me just say something about emotional intelligence. It's very hard to have emotional intelligence, um, empathy, understanding, like the things that go into that, being able to read the energy of the conversation when you're not being present. All right, so I got this great question in. I'm so glad you said that LinkedIn user. I wish I had your name, I'm sorry. I got a great question from a YouTube um, watcher who said, what do I do when I'm in a state of anticipation and I need to shake it off? Right, first of all, I love the way you said that because great question. Thank you for asking. And uh, do you know that have you ever watched a National Geographic about gazelles that after they're hunted by a lion and they get away, they do this whole like shaking um ritual to like shake off the experience and then go back to normal because they can't live in a state of fear of the lion like they have to go on grazing and reproducing and being in their herd and all the things that they do so you got to shake it off so here's what i do when i find myself in that state of anticipation there's two there's a couple things that i actually do so one is i have a conversation with my primal brain and i say not today we focus tomorrow. Like this is not happening. So I have named my lizard brain, my primal brain, Bernard. And the reason I've done that is research has shown that when we name our lizard brain, we create cognitive dissonance, meaning we create some distance. It's no longer in the driver's seat, it's in the passenger seat. So I have conversations with my Bernard. If you've been in my community for a long time, you know that Bernard and I are very tight. He's still there. But sometimes I got to be like, you know what, Bernard, I'm not doing this today. Like we're not we're not dealing with this. We're dealing with what's in the moment. So I'll do that. The second thing, if I'm talking to someone advance. thank you for your name. So if I'm talking to Vance and I'm just, I'm in a state of anticipation and I'm worried, I'm thinking about other things, what's to come, blah, 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 right? Most of them are negative. And Vance is trying to have a conversation with me. I will just take a seven second to have a deep breath in. And then It's like a little bit of a mental shake and then i'm in it and i'm in it with vance good i'm glad you love it good but i'm in it right with vance we're having that conversation so i'm a big believer of like you just need a couple seconds you just got to recognize it and then you got to shake it off it's really not that hard but we need to recognize it and deal with it so i have a lot of conversations with bernard i don't know what you have named yours but for me that's the name so i apologize to anyone watching His name is Bernard, has a husband named Bernard, a son, a father, sorry, uncle. Um, But Bernard and I have a lot of conversations for this reason. And it's such a simple way to do it. And sometimes I'll ask Bernard questions. And this is one of my favorite, by the way, I didn't expect to go down this rabbit hole, but since you're asking the questions, one of my favorite things to do that I find works incredibly well is Bernard and I, so we have conversations, but I will actually ask him questions. I'll be like, Bernard, why are you so worried? about Jessica behaving like that in your meeting. Why are you worried about people walking out of the room when you go on stage? And ultimately, my brain responds back with like, oh, that's just fear talking. Oh, that's just my negative energy. Oh, that's just my in- that's just your own insecurity getting riled up because you're about to do something big and very public. That's fine. And here's the other thing I've realized The louder my Bernard, my lizard brain is, it means the bigger it is, whatever it is I'm about to do, like the bigger it is. Hopefully that made sense. So the louder my fear voice, my Bernard, the bigger the bolder the move is I'm about to take. And so I know that. So now I know that if Bernard's really riled up and he puts me into that state of anticipation of worrying and stressing and thinking about what's to come more than likely that's because whatever it is I'm about to do is actually pretty big and pretty awesome. And so now I'm like, hey, thanks for showing up, Bernard. Not today, but thanks for showing up. So I want us all to think about how often, how many minutes, hours, days, months of our lifetime, we worry and put ourselves in this state of anticipation, worrying about things that are not only out of our control, but not even probably going to come true. We make them up. The imagination fills in the gaps, right? Bernard fills in my gaps with all this shit that I don't need. So how much time do we spend there versus time do we spend in participation? Now, I'm really excited. My son gets back tomorrow. So I'm really excited to hear his takeaway from the uh, overnight retreat. And if he thinks that kind of focus on being in in participation that they gave the kids helped them really enjoy the experience. So if you've got some other questions, now's the time. I want to kind of get to close out just so that I don't overextend the time that I want to have this podcast going. So ask your questions if you got them. Or add your insights, by the way. I love your insights. And let me know what you think of this little experiment. If you're coming late to the podcast, this whole recording it by streaming it live on LinkedIn and and YouTube and Facebook private group is new to me. This is an experiment. You know, innovation is about experimentation and you never know if an idea is gonna work unless you experiment with it. So it might be a little bit clunky. I probably have some things to learn as I go. Your feedback is very appreciated, but I'm super excited to dig in because I love the questions. I love the insights from you. I believe in the collective wisdom and the brilliance of the everyday innovators around the globe. If you don't know your everyday innovator style, whether you are a pioneer, a motivator, whether you are a catalyst or an integrator, go to our website, go to launchstreet.com and go take the assessment. It'll take you seven minutes and you'll discover your everyday innovator style and the power triggers, which means how your brain works. So my brain works by being a risk taker and experiential, which means I'm all about innovating in the uncomfortable and leaping and pushing boundaries and innovating in motion which is probably why I'm experimenting with this because I can't figure out the idea unless I actually do it. We all have different styles, by the way. So I think that mindfulness and presence gets a little bit of a bad rap because it's often talked about in the way of like, that's me breathing deeply, by the way. But I think it's really about getting the most out of the experience. It's about elevating your focus and your energy and your cognitive abilities, your creative problem solving, your decision making. It's all of that. Okay, so there's the other question. What do you do if you know somebody else is in a state of anticipation? So uh, elaborate a little bit more on your question, but let me, as you're elaborating, like, do you mean personally, like you're talking to your, you know, your your partner and they're in a state of anticipation about what could go wrong for holiday dinner when you meet up with the family again and everybody's in different political sides of the spectrum? Or do you mean like in work and you're talking to someone, you're trying to sell an idea? You say yes to both. They all sound great. Okay. So let's start with the family thing. So let's say uh, you're going to a holiday dinner and because the holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving. And you know, there's some strife in the family, you know, there's some getting along and some not getting along. So you know that, right? So if we're in a state of anticipation, we're just spending all our time worrying and worrying and worrying. And then here's, here's the interesting thing, by the way, because here's what happens. And I know, because I've made this mistake. Let's say, let's say that's me, right? And I'm, in fact, I'll give you a personal example. Sometimes when I go home, I feel like My parents still think I'm the 12-year-old girl who's like super messy all the time and totally disorganized and does never act together. And that was me at 12, by the way, and 13, probably up to 16, probably up to college, right? And then I got my act together. But they still sometimes treat me like that. So I start to worry about that. I start to play out these scenarios in my head where they're going to treat me like I'm like that type of person. And I love my parents, by the way. They're awesome. But I worry about it. And then I feel like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So... I had to really have a conversation with myself to say, hey, I'm going to go in with the best intent. I'm going to be me. They're going to be them. But I'm going to assume the best that they're not going to do that to me. And when I go in with that, they don't, right? They treat me like the 51 now because my birthday was, oh my gosh, two days ago. But they treat me like that. But when I go in assuming that they're going to treat me in the worst way that I think they're going to treat me, that's how they treat me right? That's what happens to all of us. It It happens when you go into a meeting and you think my boss is going to come in already ready to say no. So then we show up expecting that, behaving that way, almost pushing them into that behavior. So if I see somebody else going into that, I like to get it out loud because I think once you breathe life into it, you start to see how ridiculous it is. So, okay. So let's say, um, Jess, right? So let's say, you're going to the holiday dinner or you got the meeting coming up. I might be like, all right, well, Jess, what's the worst thing that could happen? All right, well, what happens if they start to argue? Like, you're all still family, right? So what's what's the worst case scenario? And when you start to play out what's the worst that could happen, it's not so bad. And then maybe even like, well, what, what will we do if that happens? And then you start to realize, well, I can just walk away. I don't have to participate. Awesome. And then i like to ask questions like well sorry guys well what would happen if um if i did nothing like what would happen if i didn't worry about it well nothing would change and then you stop right so i think that breathing life into it when other people are doing it is the best way to deal with it and i think in work when you see it with other people sometimes i just like to stop and say hey I get the sense that your mind is somewhere else. Wanna talk about it? Sometimes just shaking the system gets people out of that state of anticipation. Hey, seems to me like there's something bigger on your plate that needs to be dealt with today. Do you want to go, do you want to go handle that and we'll reschedule this conversation? Because here's the deal: they're gonna say no, or you're not gonna get buy-in, or the conversation's not gonna go the way you want it anyway. So why stay in the conversation? You might as well give them the opportunity to reschedule. Oftentimes what I find, and I've been in this situation, is they take a deep breath and then they get present and they get back to participation. This happened to me, in fact, oh my gosh, just the other day when I was trying to get buy-in for an idea with a client that I'm working with and they were obviously in the state of anticipation and all riled up and all frazzled. So whatever it is their state of anticipation was, was seeping over into me, right? Into what I was trying to do so about 10 minutes in i'm seeing where this is headed i'm getting their energy because i'm in a state of participation right i am like in this conversation i see them and i'm like okay you know what bob We'll just call him bob i get the sense that today is not the day to have this conversation there's other pressing matters going on what do you say ruby's schedule and no joke he just looked at me he kind of stopped and he goes can you just give me five minutes to shoot out this email? And then when I come back, I will be all over it. And I was like, great. So I said, tell you what, I'm just gonna you know, mute myself and turn off my video for five minutes, holler at me when we're ready. And five minutes later, he came back and he was super present. So I think it's about shaking up the system. It's about getting us out of that routine, that habit. It's about having that conversation with Bernard. It's calling it out and breathing life to it. Cause once you breathe life to it, you realize, it's not that bad. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me in my second. I just got a couple texts about this as well. It's so funny. I love it. Um, thank you guys. Thank you all of you for being here, for your questions, for your comments. I love your additions to the podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Go over to go to launchstreet.com and on there, you'll see the overly caffeinated community. If you want bonus material and you want to support the podcast and what we're trying to do here, that's your place to do it. So go there, go to iTunes, give us a review. All the reviews are great because more reviews equal more interviews and more guests, which will be coming to you very shortly. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to sign off. Really appreciate all of you. Tomorrow out.